Voiceover Coffee Shop, Episode 13. Welcome to the Voiceover Coffee Shop, where we share our morning with some of the finest names in voiceover. And now, here's your host, voice actor Andrew Morrison. Hi there, my name is Andrew Morrison, and welcome to the Voiceover Coffee Shop where we start our day with some of the finest names in voiceover. If you'd like to know more about me, feel free to visit my personal website at www.voicebard.com. In this episode, we have coffee with my dear friend, Bob Bergen. Bob is the embodiment of a voiceaholic with multiple Emmy nominations for outstanding voiceover work. He's best known for his roles as Porky Pig, No Face, Bucky the Winter Soldier, and has worked in ADR, promo, American animation, and more. In this episode, we talk about how to really audition in voiceover, how to address social media in your career, specifics to agent submissions, auditioning while traveling, being the best voiceover talent, and staying euphoric behind the mic. Hey, oh, so you talking is that yeah. me? <laughs> Holy crap. I was like, who, who, who's, is it Rob Paulson? Who is it? Who is it? <laughs> so how do you take your coffee? Uh, that's a great question. Well, first of all, let's do this. And what time do you take your coffee? I will, I will tears, tears. Now this is death wish coffee. All right. I don't know if you I'll have to take a sip. Very familiar. Um, death wish coffee is, and I, and I, and I do enjoy my caffeine. I do enjoy my caffeine. I used to drink my coffee black. Mm -hmm. And then I got into eating keto, which is high fat, low carb, mm -hmm. moderate protein. I'm familiar. And, and I started putting heavy cream in my coffee because I had trouble finding ways to get enough fat in my diet, which people are watching this going, enough fat in your diet? That's a foreign language. But yeah, keto was very good to me. So I now drink my coffee with a splash of cream. So are you doing the bulletproof coffee as well? No, because no, I don't like the taste of, of butter. Okay. I don't like the taste of dairy. So, you know, butter, cheese, yogurt, all that stuff. I just don't like it. Ice cream I like, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm making homemade keto ice cream right now. I'm not eating, you know, sugar. But the cream in my coffee, I don't taste that thing in dairy that I don't like. Mm -hmm. And I started, I used to never like, well, you know, I used to think a, a great dessert was cream and sugar in coffee. Mm -hmm. But I don't like sugar anymore. So. I put cream, long-winded story, I put cream in my coffee. Now you ask, when do I do coffee? So my, my coffee timer goes off about 4 or 5 a.m. Okay. Because I wake up 4 or 5 a.m. And my ritual is I pour coffee. I go into my office. I turn on my computer. I print up the morning scripts. I open up Twisted Wave. I push record and I start. And I finish my coffee when I'm done with my coffee. Oftentimes it's a whole pot. Um, before COVID, I would drink a pot of coffee and go to a, my first session mm. and have coffee. So, but I have to stop by 11 or so in the morning, 10 or 11, because I will have trouble sleeping if I continue. I don't drink it throughout the day. Okay. Are most of those auditions coming from agencies or just, um, where, where are those? All of, all, all of my auditions come from agents or from my, from my voiceover agent. Yeah. I don't get, I'm not on pay to play. Um, I don't. Uh, and if somebody contacts me, Hey, I'd like you to, to consider you for whatever I pass them on to my agent. I don't take the audition myself. I don't, I don't negotiate myself. 
that's why I pay 10% for my agent so they can do all the dirty work. Gotcha. So when you are auditioning, because I mean, producers get like hundreds of hundreds of auditions, what techniques have you learned over the years to help your audition stand out? Well, I don't even know if it's to make my audition stand out. I just go in there and, and, and make solid choices and have fun. You know, I don't really audition to get the job. I don't audition to please the person listening. I don't really give a damn about any of that. I go in there and I might even look at the specs and they're looking for what they're looking for. And I'm like, that ain't me. And if I'm going to get this or make an impression, here's how I'm going to do it. And there have been times where my agent has sent me uh, auditions. And I'm going to make this up just because I can't think of anything else. But let's say the script says we're looking for a James Earl Jones type. And I'll, I'll call my agent and say, or email my agent and say, have you heard me talk? I don't sound like that. And she'll get back to me. Yeah, I know. I always like to send outside the box. They don't know what they want. That's why they're holding auditions. They could hire any number of really good deep voice actors without auditioning, but they're holding auditions. So make it your own. I do that with every audition. I just make it my own. I don't care if I book. In fact, when I do book, my first question to my agent is, did I read for this? Because once I've read for something and I send it, it's over. I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm reading for five, 10, maybe 20 things a day. So I'm not going to hold on to it unless it's like second, third, fourth callback. You're on the short list, that sort of thing, because now I'm in the game. And I will check in with my agent if you heard anything. I did that this morning. I, you know, I, I, I did a pilot uh, about two weeks ago and I read in the trades that it was picked up to series. And I was like, was I booked? <laughs> Haven't heard anything. But, you know, that doesn't mean anything. I just wanted to, you know, check in and say, well, did, what, anything I should know? Like, they decided to go with Whoopi Goldberg. But I, I, we've, we've heard nothing. So um, the bottom line is, I don't really have anything specific I can tell you as this is what I do to stand out. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just very confident in, in my voiceover reads, whether I book it or not. Booking it is a fortunate circumstance. It is not my goal to be booked it is my goal to have fun and well, to I've, have noticed, I've noticed in the more confident you are in the industry people start whether you are actually confident or not people just start addressing you accordingly well that's something that i was that was advised to me that i try to tell my students you know years ago i was like 16 in a in a workout group with the top vo earners in the business mm -hmm. and the best part of that workout group wasn't at the mic it was during lunch when they would tell me war stories and they would give me, you know, um, business advice. And the, the one I got, I think it was from Don LaFontaine, either Don or, or Danny Dark, one of the two big promo trailer guys, um, who said, always carry yourself as a successful, confident actor and never break character. And let the world think you're working all the time. What's happening today is social media has become group therapy. And everybody's looking for a pat on the back and it's okay. And they're coming across as mediocre and losers. Sorry if that's insulting anybody watching this right now, but it's true. So um, I, nobody knows my bad day. Nobody knows what's happening in my life. I don't tell virtual strangers when I've had a catastrophe because my friends on social media are made up of maybe 5% of true friends and 95% of really cool social media acquaintances. I'm not going to tell them something that is that deep, tragic, and personal on social media. I'm, I'm, I use social media for business, not not for not as group therapy right. or social.
So is that how you do most of your marketing? Since you don't, um, since all of your auditions come from um, agencies, is that, do you do email marketing or is that just? Yeah, yeah, I do email marketing. Um, I do use, um, LinkedIn is much better to reach mm -hmm. executive uh, network people, studio people. Um, I think, you know, for a working actor, when you're marketing something new and you're, and you're literally marketing a job, not trying to get new, but marketing a job, um, go to your body of work. Market to those you've already worked for. Some of them you haven't worked for in a very long time. Some of them have no idea that you can do that sound because they've never hired you for that sound. I'll give you an example. I just did this on Facebook. Um, and I did it because somebody was talking about uh, this character, Winter Soldier, that I played mm -hmm. in, in a Marvel cartoon, and I also play in Marvel games. And I thought, oh, I haven't promoted that in a long time. The character's name is Bucky. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I promoted it. I promoted it. And then it, within the same thread, I promoted this, this squirrel character I played who also happened to be named Bucky. <laughs> My strategy was to show people, A, do you know what I can do superhero voices? And do you know that these two characters are done by the same guy? I don't assume anybody knows anything I can do. If you do that, you're an egomaniac. I assume nobody knows anything I've done. And I'm constantly telling my agent, promote me like I've never worked. Treat me like a brand new agent. I'm rather a brand new talent and you're my new agent. And, and, and I'm not, my, my, my mortgage payment is bigger than my ego. So, you know, sometimes you have to strategically put yourself out there in a way that doesn't assume everybody knows you or knows what you do. And then sometimes you promote the thing everybody really does know just because it's fun to promote, it's not going to get you more work. It's just you're proud of it. Right. So when you are promoting yourself or directly messaging someone new who you've never worked for, how do you instill the value of you and what you can provide to them? Well, first of all, there's always a purpose behind every marketing. It's not, I'd like to introduce myself. Here's my body of work. If you have something for me, that would be great. Um, I always have a very specific and strategic uh, purpose to reach out to. I don't just do it for the sake of doing it. Um, but three, four weeks ago, um, I came up with an idea to for uh, a fairly new network uh, to offer my services. And the first thing I did was I, re I, I researched who uh, the executives were and I connected with them on LinkedIn. And they accepted it. And then I went to my agent and I said, here's my idea. Here are the executives. I don't know who's in charge of this department or this department, but maybe you can take it from here. And my agent got back to me and said, I work with these people all the time. Let me do an e-introduction. He did an e-introduction. And I've been in talks with three of the executives since, and they're very interested. But I didn't go after it with, if you have anything for me, let me know. I went after it with, I have a very specific idea where I think we can work together. And that's where I think people miss the boat. Um, by the way, this is not voiceover business savvy. This is business savvy. Right. If you are a salesperson, if you're in, in uh, medicine, if you are a financial planner, you're going to be specific in your business strategy. Well, most, most people aren't. And that most voice actors aren't. And they just put, and this is why they fail getting an agent. 
They're just another voice with a great demo. That Nobody needs that. What they need is somebody they don't have. And all actors have to do is research who their talent is and make sure their demo doesn't reflect anything they hear. If it's a character demo, you don't want to regurgitate characters that agent already represents. You want original characters. And in your cover letter to that agent, you don't just list a laundry list of recent work. You know, recent work includes an e-learning thing and a radio spot for Honda. You want to say the radio spot for Honda, the ad agency, the writer, producer, the casting director. It's that, not the, not the, the, the product, but what came with the product, what came with that job. That has the value to the agent because if the agent knows that buyer, you're an easier sell the next time that buyer has an audition. If the agent doesn't know that buyer, you bring value of a new relationship to that agent for their entire agency. Mm-hmm. This is the stuff most people don't think about when they're submitting for representation, when they're thinking about advancing their career. They don't think the specifics and strategy. They just go, send it out, keep my fingers crossed, and that never works. Right. So you mentioned some of the best um, business advice you've ever been given. What's some of the worst business advice you've been given? <laughs> I didn't have, I didn't have, well, I'll, oh, well, the, <laughs> the worst business advice was when my very first voiceover teacher said, you're demo ready. And I made a demo when I was 16 and it cost me two years worth of work. I was not ready. I didn't think I was ready, but who am I to argue with the expert? Right. And, and I thought it was great because it, it was my voice coming out of real speakers, but <laughs> Um, I, I, I was not ready. Um, I knew in my heart I wasn't ready. So that was probably the worst advice that I ever took. But man, you know, when I was studying, be it voiceover, and I studied with every voiceover coach that LA had to offer for four years. There wasn't a bad one in the bunch. I studied acting. I studied improv. Mm-hmm. Um but in acting, they teach you the craft. They don't really, a lot of them don't really teach you the business of it. Correct. And I didn't want, and they shouldn't. And they sh- unless you're taking a business class, mm-hmm. no acting class, be it theater or voiceover, should talk about making money. Making money is a, for- I just posted this on, on, on Facebook. Just somebody all over Facebook, for some reason, over the last two days, people are asking to vet coaches. And advice on coaches. And so just before, in fact, I ended it with, I got to go, guys. I got a podcast to do. So <laughs> you, you made my Facebook page today. But I, I said, what makes a good voiceover coach? And then I put what makes a good voiceover student. Because nobody asks what makes a good voiceover student. So they always, talk, they always put the, the blame on the coach. Um, a coach shouldn't talk about how to make money. A coach shouldn't talk about what you can make. You can make zero and you can make a million or two and everything in between. When I was studying voiceover any or, or acting, any coach who used making money as a selling point or discussed making money was considered vulgar. It was just considered a scam. Today, it's a selling point, you know? And, and it's not, a, and you can't blame the coach. Mm-hmm. The coaches are giving people what they want to hear. Right. And that's a byproduct of the internet because the internet and voiceover is all about making money. Nine out of 10 posts that you see on any voiceover page is, hey guys, this job came up. What should I quote? Not how can I be a great actor? Not I want to be the best out there. Not I've, I've not booked in a while who will kick my ass. What should I quote? It's all about making money. 
How much? I can only afford $300 for a home studio. What should I do? You shouldn't do anything until you have a brilliant broadcast quality home studio today because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and people are looking for shortcuts. People are looking for cheap and fast. And when I was coming up in the business, people wanted to be the best. And you, you wanted to pursue professional voiceover professionally, which meant you had survival jobs. And when you worked as a professional actor, you got paid as a professional actor which came with benefits and residuals and a pension. So, but today, because the voiceover industry is no longer in the major markets, um, people don't relate to that. And people don't, that's not a goal. People just want to make money. And that's why you see $50 jobs. Because $50 is valuable to somebody. Where it should pay 1000 if it's union, for somebody making minimum wage, that 50 bucks, they, they, they just made a lottery. Gotcha. So in um, your voiceover classes being more towards the craft, what were some of the resources that did help you kind of build your brand along like what, what comes with the Bob Bergen brand? I don't think I even, I don't promote a brand. I don't have a brand. I don't care about a brand. I've seen people invest more money in their brand than they have in their craft. Right. Um, I don't care about my brand. My brand is, it's, it's, it's in my work and it's on my demo. And I'm not going to take, I'm not going to invest in how do I rebrand myself? Right. I might, I might invest in, damn, my promo reads are just not relevant today. What do I need to do? And I'll hire a coach and go, oh my God, I am so 1990s in my promo reads. I need to really just make it more relevant. Um, but, oh, I've never thought of a brand not my thing so as far as the acting side of it what are some of the greatest advice that your previous acting coaches have given you uh wow great question because it's so involved i had so many years of study that it's all about the work and not the and not the the return and when i say return it could that could be a callback that could be a booking that could be um a series pickup listen Dude, some of my, some of the moments in my career where I'm like, I think I want to throw in the towel are my most successful times financially. And it usually happens in June or July. And I don't know why it doesn't happen every year, but it's, it tends to happen June or July. And a couple of years ago, I was, I had a conversation with myself and I was like, why? Like, this is great. And things are going well. It's because what was going well in the work I was doing was not satisfying. Because I have just as much satisfaction with a fun audition as I do working on a film all day at Disney. Mm-hmm. For me, the joy is in the doing. It's in the creating. I can remember my very first job in voiceover, which got me my SAG card, which was a Spider-Man cartoon in the 80s. And I was on cloud nine. It was great. Amazing Spider-Man and Friends, right? Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Gotcha. There you go. Gotcha. There you go. And um, I was still living with my parents because I was 18 years old. And a few weeks later, I go to get the mail. And there was this envelope with a little you know, window with my name on it. And I opened up the envelope. And there's a check in there for me. It's got my name on it. I'm like, who the hell is sending me money? Oh, my God, they pay you for this. <laughs> totally forgot you get paid for this. 
So going back to your question, what advice was I given by my coaches? Mm-hmm. Um, for I'm going to relate this, this to voiceover, but you can relate this to theater. You can relate this to film. You can relate this to improv. Right. In voiceover, get a high at the mic. Get a high at the mic. The mic should be the place where you're, you're, you're euphoric. Not getting paid for it. Not necessarily even working. Because when you get the job, oftentimes they're going to peel back much of the creativity that got you that job. It was your commitment to choices and your commitment to your creativity that got you in the room. But you now have to please the director, the producer, the network executive, the writer, everybody else across the other side of the studio through the glass. And if that means, you know, yeah, that was a brilliant callback, but this is what we want for the character now. Yeah, that's not as fun as it was in my, in my booth at home, but that's okay. You're there. You're, your job at that point is to please and to, and certainly, you know, even if it's a session or a job there, I'm like, that was not, that did not fulfill me creatively. I'm going to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And nobody in that session is going to know I'm not having a good time. I have done jobs where I did not have a good time. I, the antithesis of a good time, rare, but it happens. To where I will call my agent and say, I don't want to do that again. I think, I think, I think, yeah, if that comes out, if they want me again. And then there have been times where I'm like, you know, you know what? Ask for like 10 grand because <laughs> I don't want to do it again. And sometimes I'll say, I'm like, and now I'll be like, ooh. But so, you know, um, <laughs> good acting good acting coaches uh, will make sure that what, what you're doing is coming from honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, good acting coaches, you know, I'm a Meisner trained actor, mm-hmm. uh, which is acting as reacting, being truthful under imaginary circumstances, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember John Ruskin was my uh, acting coach uh, for a few years. Ruskin School of Acting, he's teaching online right now. People want a great coach who is brilliant, honest, and pushes you beyond your limit uh, without feeling uh, uh, any uncomfortable, like I don't wanna try again, he's your guy. Um, but I remember saying to John, because uh, I was a working voice actor when I, when I studied with him. And I said, John, dude, if acting is reacting to your scene partner and so much of voiceover is done solo, where's my scene partner? And he goes right there. Oh, ding, 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 which made my voiceover work so much better right? because I'll have a scene partner in my head. Mm-hmm. So if it's an animation audition where the scene partner's not even in the script or in the audition size, cause it's just wild lines without a scene partner there. Your job as an actor is to fill in the blanks. Who am I talking to? What is my relationship? Where are we? Well, if that information isn't there, you got to make it up. Right. I make those bold choices. It, 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 it lifts the words off the page. The script is a skeleton. Your job is to give it a body. So those bold choices get you the callback. At the callback, they say, by the way, you know that in scene two where you're kind of whispering those kind of conspiratorial your your characters are like at a football game why didn't you tell me that you know but they didn't they didn't so but but my choices got me in the room that's all i care about and you've got to make bold choices and you've got to be you got to take risks that's another thing that i was taught take risks 
being safe is never going to uh, uh, lead to anything substantial. But if you take a risk creatively, sometimes you have to take a risk financially. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to take a risk geographically, but take a risk. Otherwise, you're going to play it safe, and there's no possibility for success without that risk. Gotcha. So speaking of um, those bold choices um, and, and character development, I do have a, um, a character development about a specific um, animal in the room that's always with Bob Bergen. What was your uh, character development behind No Face from Spirit Away? <laughs> oh. Uh, I had to throw you for a loop there. <laughs> uh, wow, that's a good question. Um, I booked No Face without an audition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, uh, Spirited Away was produced by Pixar. At least the, uh, the English dub was produced by Pixar. Mm-hmm. And I had done a lot of work for Pixar. And Mickey McGowan was the casting director for the incidental voices for Disney and Pixar. And she just called me in with a whole group of other actors to work on this film. And they had me in mind for this little frog. And uh, as I'm up there doing the frog, the producers are like, you know, at some point, this character, No Face, eats the frog and kind of takes on this, this kind of ghostly, gargantuan, disgusting characteristics morphing into a frog. So we think you should play this no-face character too. And my inspiration was literally watching the film and coming up with ideas. That's it. I wish I could have have something more, you know, Brando or Cagney that I connect <laughs> with, but that's literally all it was. Gotcha. So, I mean, I know you enjoy, like, you, um, you're very, very proud of your work with Looney Tunes. But what are some of the other maybe, oh, I didn't know that was Bob Bergen sort of characters where you just, I mean, I know you in general get a high behind the mic, but just some where you're like, oh, that was, that, that was good. That was fun. That, that resonated. That, that's satisfying for me, you mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, back in the 80s, it lasted one year, but it was the animated version of the Jim Henson show for Aggle Rock. And okay. it, it was because of... Uh, John Semper and Cynthia Friedlob, um, uh, who were the writer-producers, it was because of my fellow cast members. It was because it was literally just that perfect, magical moment of superb people to work with, really good material. Um, And again, it was just a single season uh, on NBC. Mm -hmm. That was one. um, Uh... There have been minor characters I've done that are, that people take a liking to, and I enjoy doing it. Like like that Bucky the Squirrel from the Emperor's New Groove was mm-hmm. was definitely one. Um, I'm doing stuff right now that I can't talk about because of NDAs. But um, uh, one is uh, I can say it's for Disney, but um, but I can't talk about what it is, and it's stuff I've done in the past. But the writing is so good. And the directors are so good. Um, and you'll probably hear about it within the next six months, I'm guessing. Okay. But it is satisfying as a performer because it's so different from anything I do that is Looney Tunes or cartoony. Um, I, yeah, I don't watch my work, by the way, that often. I'm watching all the Looney Tunes cartoons on HBO Max just because 
of the writing and the and and the and the character design and the storyboards and the music because it, it's like classic. I'm watching as a fan, but I'm really not watching. Just go, ooh, let's look at me. Aren't I good? Because I'm too critical of my work. But right. just stuff I've done that I just have never seen. You know, so I mean, I, I'll look at old work and I'll be like, man, I could have made a different character choice there if I would have known oh, what was going on, or if I knew they were going to cut it this way, I would have. Like, no, I've done the same thing. Andrew, I, I I've gone to I've gone to screenings of like premieres, and I'm like. I would have made such a different choice. Or, oh, see, they don't show you the whole script when you do a feature. They only show you the scenes you're in. Right. And, I'm, oh, my God, if I would known that was the story, I'd play that so different. Right. Or, that's the take they used? That was my <laughs> throwaway take. Right. Yeah, but but I'm a control freak. And so it, 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 it pains me to see something years after I've done it and not have the control. So it's easier to, to not watch. Gotcha. So what do you what do you enjoy doing outside of the booth? Like what keeps you grounded? Like like what what else do you enjoy? I mean there there is that high at the mic, but sometimes you need a step away. What is that for you? Um, I do enjoy teaching. Um, I I I, you know, I haven't my my eight week LA class uh, kind of got shut down because of COVID. In fact, we didn't even finish my January session last year because a week before the last class we got a lockdown. And if any of the students are watching right now, I can, I can do it online if you want. But I, I'm not going to teach a workshop online. I just don't want to do that. I'm doing private coaching online. But my eight-week class had a four-year wait list when COVID hit. So uh, I, I think private coaching on Zoom, at least for the time being. Um, so I enjoy coaching. I love to cook. Um, I love to eat. I like travel, but we're not doing that these days. But I do love traveling. Um, I'm, a, I'm addicted to television. I'm also in, I'm a, on the Board of Governors at the TV Academy, so mm. I'm very active in, in that. Um, I, I, I'm also as, as, as proactive and busy and dedicated and disciplined as I am, I'm a really lazy person. So <laughs> I, if, if I have a day of nothing, a couch, a remote, and a bloated DVR, I'm a happy guy. I love wine tasting. Um, yeah, I'm... I'm I'm, I'm pretty happy-go-lucky, you know? I don't stress out about a lot of things, and I'm very good at not worrying about what isn't in my control. I'd love to take you out for a wine tasting if we go out to California. You and I share that in common. Bitchin'. Sounds good. <laughs> so it's hard, I, to do, hard to do with a mask, but you can make it work. Right, right, right. We'll just kind of, like, hook a straw through it or there something. You, there you go. So... Uh, with all the traveling that you do, how um, what what do you take with you in order to make sure that you get your auditions in while you're while you're not at your home studio? That's a great question. I didn't take a vacation as an adult until about maybe fifteen years ago, mm -hmm. because I was always so afraid to miss something. And and now I have a travel a travel gear. I just have an Apogee mic, you know, and Twisted Wave on my iPad, and that's it. Um, but I will tell you that one of the one of the jobs I, I can't talk about, mm -hmm. um, a couple of years ago, I was, uh, I was on vacation, like a little three-day getaway in Santa, Santa Barbara mm -hmm. at a beach resort and get that, you know, call from my agent, last minute series audition. I'm like, no problem. And I opened up my bag and I was like, oh, I forgot the cords. <laughs> so I called my agent or I texted my agent and I was like, Hey, can, can this wait till first thing Monday? I'll be back Sunday and I can do this when I get home. Nope. Hard deadline. So I literally held my iPad over my head, talked into the mic down here and read it this way and booked it. 
And the moral of that story is, if you're a great actor, I'm not patting myself on the back, I, but my point is good acting, good choices, solid commitment trumps, how was the sound quality? And by the way, I did, I did copy myself when I sent it to my agent. So when I got home, I listened to it on my good speakers. Sounded pretty good. So, so moral of that story is send it in. I can't tell you how many times I'd be out and about and I'd pull over on the side of the road with my, with my iPhone. And this, this needs to be in 20 minutes. Okay. Here's how, here's how you're going to get it. So if you're in like a, a hotel room for a second, yeah. do you like set up blankets anywhere or do you do anything? Whatever. Maybe, maybe not. I don't care. I've been on cruise ships. I've been in my stateroom on cruise ships and I'm in the middle of a read and all of a sudden you're <laughs> from the, from the boat. <laughs> well, it's, it's not live. It's not a live broadcast. Right. So you just edit that out. And I'm not looking for perfection in that sound quality. I'm looking to get it in so I can, I can be competing. Right. So if you were to write a letter to yourself, before you had started in voiceover to, to young you yeah. from now, what would that letter say? Uh, follow your gut. It's going to work out. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Follow your gut. It's going to work, which is what I've always done anyway. Right. Gotcha. Okay. And you my have pleasure, a man. great rest of your day, buddy. You too, my friend. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. I really hope you enjoyed Bob talk about the joys of auditioning and the spark he gets in the creation process, as well as how he continues to grow and extend his reach to stay relevant in this amazing industry. If you'd like to know more about Bob, you can visit him at www.bobbergen.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The VoiceOver Coffee Shop. For more information on guests, new episodes, and more, be sure to visit www.bocoffeeshop.com.